The Tragedy of Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, by William Shakespeare. Act Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Tragedy of Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, by William Shakespeare. Act Three, Scene One. A Room in the Castle. Enter King Claudius, Queen Gertrude, Polonius, Ophelia, Rosencrantz, and Guildenstern. And can you, by no drift of circumstance, get from him why he puts on this confusion, grating so harshly all his days of quiet with turbulent and dangerous lunacy? He does confess he feels himself distracted, but from what cause he will by no means speak. Nor do we find him forward to be sounded, but with a crafty madness keeps aloof when we would bring him on to some confession of his true state. Did he receive you well? Most like a gentleman. But with much forcing of his disposition. Niggard of question, but of our demands, most free in his reply. Did you assay him to any pastime? Madam, it so fell out that certain players we o'erwrought on the way, of these we told him, and there did seem in him a kind of joy to hear of it. They are about the court, and, as I think, they have already ordered this night to play before him. Tis most true, and he beseeched me to entreat your majesties to hear and see the matter. With all my heart, and it doth much content me to hear him so inclined. Good gentlemen, give him a further edge, and drive his purpose on to these delights. We shall, my lord. Exunt, Rosencrantz, and Guildenstern. Sweet Gertrude, leave us too, for we have closely sent for Hamlet hither, that he, as twere by accident, may hear affront Ophelia. Her father and myself, lawful espials, will so bestow ourselves that, seeing, unseen, we may of their encounter frankly judge, and gather by him, as he has behaved, if it be the affliction of his love or no, that thus he suffers for. I shall obey you. And for your part, Ophelia, I do wish that your good beauties be the happy cause of Hamlet's wildness. So shall I hope your virtues will bring him to his wonted way again, to both your honours. Madam, I wish it may. Exit Queen Gertrude. Ophelia, walk you here. Gracious, so please you, we will bestow ourselves. To Ophelia. Read on this book, that show such an exercise may colour your loneliness. We are off to blame in this. Tis too much proved that, with devotion's visage and pious action, we do sugar o'er the devil himself. Aside. Oh, tis too true. How smart a lash that speech doth give my conscience. The harlot's cheek, beautied with plastering art, is not more ugly to the thing that helps it than is my deed to my most painted word. O oh, heavy burthen! I hear him coming. Let's withdraw, my lord. Exunt King Claudius and Polonius. Enter Hamlet. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against the sea of troubles, and by opposing end them, to die, to sleep, no more, and by a sleep to say we end the heartache and thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. Oh. 
the consummation devoutly to be wished. To die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream. Ah, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil? Must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life, for who would bear the whips and scorns of time, the oppressor's wrongs, the proud man's contumely, the pangs of despised love, the law's delay, the insolence of office, and the spurns, that patient merit of the unworthy takes, when he himself might his quietus make with a, a bare bodkin. Who would fardels bear to grunt and sweat under a weary life, but that the dread of something after death, the undiscovered country from whose born no traveller returns, puzzles the will, and makes us rather bear those ills we have than fly to others we know not of? <laughs> Ah, thus conscience does make cowards of us all. And thus the native hue of resolution is sicklied o'er with the pale cast of thought, and enterprises of great pith and moment with this regard, their currents turn awry and lose the name of action. <laughs> ah. Soft, you know. The fair Ophelia. Nymph, in thy orisons be all my sins remembered. Good my lord, how does your honour for this many a day? I humbly thank you. Well, well, well. My lord, I have remembrances of yours that I have longed long to re-deliver. I pray you now receive them. No, not I. I never gave you aught. My honoured lord, you know right well you did. And with them, words of so sweet breath composed as made the things more rich. Their perfume lost, take these again. For to the noble mind, rich gifts wax poor when givers prove unkind. There, my lord. Ha, <laughs> ha! Are you honest? My lord? Are you fair? What means your lordship? Well, that if you be honest and fair, your honesty should admit no discourse to your beauty. Could beauty, my lord, have better commerce than with honesty? Ay, truly. For the power of beauty will sooner transform honesty from what it is to a bawd then the force of honesty can translate beauty into his likeness. This was sometime a paradox, but now the time gives it proof. I did love you once. Indeed, my lord, you made me believe so. You should not have believed me. For virtue cannot so inoculate our old stock, but we shall relish of it. I loved you not. I was the more deceived. 
get thee to a nunnery? Why wouldst thou be a breeder of sinners? I am myself indifferent, honest, but yet I could accuse me of such things that it were better my mother had not borne me. I am very proud, revengeful, ambitious, with more offences at my beck than I have thoughts to put them in, imagination to give them shape, or time to act them in. What should fellows such as I do, crawling between earth and heaven? We are errant knaves all, believe none of us. Go thy ways to a nunnery. Where's your father? At home, my lord. Let the doors be shut upon him, that he may play the fool nowhere but in his own house. Farewell. Oh, help him, you sweet heavens. If thou dost marry, I'll give thee this plague for thy dowry. Be thou as chaste as ice, as pure as snow, thou shalt not escape calumny. Get thee to a nunnery. Go. Farewell. Or if thou wilt needs marry, marry a fool. For wise men know well enough what monsters you make of them. To a nunnery. Go. And quickly, too. Farewell. O oh, heavenly powers, restore him. I have heard of your paintings, too, well enough. God has given you one face, and you make yourselves another. You jig, you amble, and you lisp, and nickname God's creatures, and make your wantonness your ignorance. Go to, I'll no more on it hath made me mad. I'll say we will have no more marriages. Those that are married already, all but one, shall live. The rest shall keep as they are. To a nunnery, go. Exit Hamlet. Oh, what a noble mind is here our throne! The courtiers, soldiers, scholars, eye, tongue, sword, the expectancy and rose of the fair state, the glass of fashion and the mould of form. The observed of all observers quite, quite down. And I, of ladies most dejected and wretched, That sucked the honey of his music vows, Now see that noble and most sovereign reason, Like sweet bells jangled out of tune and harsh, That unmatched form and feature of blown youth Blasted with ecstasy. Oh, woe is me! To have seen what I have seen, see what I see. Re-enter King Claudius and Polonius. Love, his affections do not that way tend, nor what he spake, though it lacked form a little, was not like madness. There's something in his soul, o'er which his melancholy sits on brood, and I do doubt the hatch and the disclose will be some danger, which for to prevent I have in quick determination thus set it down. He shall with speed to England, for the demand of our neglected tribute, haply the seas and countries different with variable objects, shall expel this something settled matter in his heart, whereon his brain still beating puts him thus from fashion of himself. What think you on it? It shall do well, but yet do I believe the origin and commencement of his grief sprung from neglected love. How now, Ophelia? You need not tell us what Lord Hamlet said. We heard it all. My lord, do as you please. 
"'But if you hold it fit, after the play, "'let his queen-mother all alone entreat him to show his grief. "'Let her be round with him, "'and I'll be placed, so please you, in the ear of all their conference. "'If she find him not, to England send him, "'or confine him where your wisdom best shall think.' "'It shall be so. "'Madness in great ones must not unwatched go.' Exeunt. Scene two. A hall in the castle. Enter Hamlet and players. Speak the speech, I pray you, as I pronounced it to you, trippingly on the tongue. But if you mouth it, as many of your players do, I had as leave the town crier spoke my lines. Nor do not saw the air too much with your hand thus, but use all gently. For in the very torrent, tempest, and, as I may say, the whirlwind of your passion, you must acquire and beget a temperance that may give it smoothness. Oh, it offends me to the soul to hear a robustious, periwig-pated fellow tear a passion to tatters, to very rags, to split the ears of the groundlings, who for the most part are capable of nothing but inexplicable dumb-shows and noise. I would have such a fellow whipped for overdoing termagant. It out-herods Herod, pray you, avoid it. I warrant, Your Honour. Be not too tame, neither, but let your own discretion be your tutor. Suit the action to the word, the word to the action, uh, with this special, o'erstep not the modesty of nature. For anything so overdone is from the purpose of playing, whose end, both at the first and now, was and is, to hold, as t'were the mirror, up to nature to show virtue her own feature, scorn her own image, and the very age and body of the time his form and pressure. Now this overdone, or come tardy off, though it make the unskilful laugh, cannot but make the judicious grieve, the censure of which one must in your allowance owe away a whole theatre of others. Oh, there be players that I have seen play, and heard others praise, and that highly, not to speak it profanely, that neither, having the accent of Christians, nor the gait of Christian pagan nor man, have so strutted and bellowed that I have thought some of nature's journeymen had made man, and not made them well, they imitated humanity so abominably. I hope we have reformed that indifferently with us, sir. Reform it altogether, and let those that play your clowns speak no more than is set down for them, for there be of them that will themselves laugh to set on some quantity of barren spectators to laugh too, though in the meantime some necessary question of the play be then to be considered. That's villainous, and shows a most pitiful ambition in the fool that uses it. Go, make you ready. Excellent players. Enter Polonius, Rosencrantz, and Guildenstern. How now, my lord? I will the king hear this piece of work? And the queen, too, and that presently. Bid the players make haste. Exit Polonius. Will you two help to hasten them? We, we will, will, my lord. Exit Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Enter Horatio. What ho, Horatio? Here, sweet lord, at your service. Horatio... Thou art e'en as just a man as e'er my conversation coped withal. Oh, my dear lord. Uh, nay, do not think I flatter. 
for what advancement may I hope from thee, that no revenue hast but thy good spirits to feed and clothe thee? Why should the poor be flattered? No, let the candied tongue lick absurd pomp, and crook the pregnant hinges of the knee where thrift may follow fawning. Dost thou hear? Since my dear soul was mistress of her choice, and could of men distinguish, her election hath sealed thee for herself. For thou hast been as one in suffering all that suffers nothing. A man that fortunes, buffets, and rewards hast ta'en with equal thanks, and blessed are those whose blood and judgment are so well commingled, that they are not a pipe for fortune's finger to sound what stop she please. Give me that man that is not passion's slave, and I will wear him in my heart's core. I, in my heart of heart, as I do thee. There's something too much of this. There is a play to-night before the king, one scene of it comes near the circumstance which I have told thee of my father's death, I prithee. When thou seest that act afoot, even with the very comment of thy soul, observe, mine uncle, if his occulted guilt do not itself unkennel in one speech, it is a damned ghost that we have seen, and my imaginations are as foul as Vulcan's stithy. Give him heedful note, for I, mine eyes, will rivet to his face, and afterward we will both our judgments join in censure of his seeming. Well, my lord, if he steal aught the whilst this play is playing, and escape detecting, I will pay the theft. They are coming to the play. I must be idle. Get you a place. Danish March. A flourish. Enter King Claudius, Queen Gertrude, Polonius, Ophelia, Rosencrantz, Guildenstern, and others. How fares our cousin Hamlet? Excellent, in faith. Of the chameleon's dish, I eat the air. Promise crammed. You cannot feed capons so. I have nothing with this answer, Hamlet. These words are not mine. No, nor mine now. To Polonius. My lord, you once played at the university, you say? That did I, my lord, and was accounted a good actor. What did you enact? I did act Julius Caesar. I was killed in the capital. Brutus killed me. It was a brute part of him to kill so capital a calf there. Be the players ready? Aye, my lord. They stay upon your patience. Come hither, my dear Hamlet. Sit by me. No, good mother. Here's metal more attractive. To King Claudius. Oh, ho, oh, do you mark that? Lady, shall I lie in your lap? Lying down at Ophelia's feet. No, my lord. I, I mean my head upon your lap. Aye, my lord. Do you think I meant country matters? I think nothing, my lord. That's a fair thought to lie between maids' legs. What is, my lord? <laughs> Nothing. You are merry, my lord. Who? I? I, my lord. God, you're only jig-maker. What should a man do but be merry? For look you, how cheerfully my mother looks, and my father died within these two hours. Nay, tis twice two months, my lord. So long. Oh, nay, then let the devil wear black, for I'll have a suit of sables, oh heavens. Died two months ago and not forgotten yet. Oh, then there's hope a great man's memory might outlive his life half a year. But by your lady, he must build churches then, or else 
shall he suffer not thinking on when the hobby-horse whose epitaph is for o for o the hobby-horse is forgot hot boys play the dumb show enters enter a king and a queen very lovingly the queen embracing him and he her she kneels and makes show of protestation unto him he takes her up and declines his head upon her neck lays him down upon a bank of flowers she seeing him asleep leaves him anon comes in a fellow takes off his crown kisses it and pours poison in the king's ears and exit the queen returns finds the king dead and makes passionate action the poisoner with some two or three mutes comes in again seeming to lament with her the dead body is carried away the poisoner woos the queen with gifts she seems loath and unwilling a while but in the end accepts his love Exunt. What means this, my lord? Mary, this is Mitching Maleko. It means mischief. Belike this show imports the argument of the play. Enter Prologue. We shall know by this fellow. The players cannot keep counsel. They'll tell all. Will he tell us what this show meant? Ay, or any show that you'll show him. Be not you ashamed to show. He'll not shame to tell you what it means. You are not. You are not. I'll mark the play. For us and for our tragedy, here, stooping to your clemency, we beg your hearing patiently. Exit Prologue. Is this a prologue or the posy of a ring? Tis brief, my lord. As woman's love. Enter two players, king and queen. Full thirty times hath Phoebus's cart gone round Neptune's salt wash, and Tellus's orbit ground, and thirty dozen moons with borrowed sheen about the world have times twelve thirties been. Since love our hearts and Hymen did our hands unite commutual in most sacred bands. So many journeys may the sun and moon make us again count o'er our love be done. But woe is me, you are so sick of late, so far from cheer and from your former state, that I distrust you. Yet though I distrust, discomfort you, my lord, it nothing must, for women's fear and love holds quantity in neither aught nor in extremity. Now what my love is, proof hath made you know, and as my love is sized, my fear is so. Where love is great, the littlest doubts are fear. Where little fears grow great, great love grows there. Faith, I must leave thee, love, and shortly too, my operant powers their functions leave to do. And thou shalt live in this fair world behind, honoured, beloved, and haply, one as kind for husband shalt thou oh confound the rest such love must needs be treason in my breast in second husband let me be accursed none wed the second but who killed the first aside wormwood wormwood the instances that second marriage move are base respects of thrift but none of love a second time i kill my husband dead when second husband kisses me in bed I do believe you think what now you speak, but what we do determine oft we break. Purpose is but the slave to memory of violent birth, but poor validity. 
which now, like fruit unripe, sticks on the tree, but fall unshaken when they mellow be. Most necessary tis that we forget to pay ourselves what to ourselves is debt, what to ourselves in passion we propose, the passion ending doth the purpose lose. The violence of either grief or joy, their own enactures with themselves destroy. Where joy most revels, grief doth most lament. Grief joys, joy grieves on slender accident. This world is not for I, nor tis not strange that even our loves should with our fortunes change, for tis a question left us yet to prove, whether love lead fortune, or else fortune love. The great man down, you mark his favourite flies, the poor, advanced, makes friends of enemies, and hitherto doth love on fortune tend, for who not needs shall never lack a friend, and who in want a hollow friend doth try, directly seasons him his enemy. But orderly, to end where I begun, our wills and fates do so contrary run, that our devices still are overthrown. Our thoughts are ours, their ends none of our own. So think thou wilt no second husband wed, but die thy thoughts when thy first lord is dead. Nor earth to me give food, nor heaven light, sport and repose lock from me day and night, to desperation turn my trust and hope, an anchor's cheer in prison be my scope, each opposite that blanks the face of joy, meet what I would have well, and it destroy, both here and hence pursue me lasting strife, if once a widow ever I be wife. If she should break it now, tis deeply sworn. Sweet, ah, leave me here a while, my spirits grow dull, and fain I would beguile the tedious day with sleep. Sleeps. Sleep rock thy brain, and never come mischance between us twain. Exit player queen. Madam, how like you this play? The lady protests too much, methinks. Oh, but she'll keep her word. Have you heard the argument? Is there no offence in it? No, no, they do but jest, poison in jest, no offence to the world. What do you call the play? The Mousetrap. Mary, how? Tropically. This play is the image of a murder done in Vienna. Gonzago is the duke's name, his wife Baptista. You shall see anon. Tis a knavish piece of work, but what of that? Your majesty and we that have free souls, it touches us not. That the galled jade wince, our withers are unwrung. Enter Lucianus. This one is Lucianus, nephew to the king. You are as good as a chorus, my lord. I could interpret between you and your love, if I could see the puppets dallying. You are keen, my lord, you are keen. 
It would cost you a groaning to take off my edge. Still better and worse. So you must take your husband's. Begin, murderer. Pox, leave thy damnable faces and begin. Come, thy croaking raven doth bellow for revenge. Thoughts black, hands apt, drugs fit, and time agreeing. Confederate season, else no creature seeing. Thou mixture rank of midnight weeds collected, with Hecate's band thrice blasted, thrice infected, thy natural magic and dire property, unwholesome life, usurp immediately. Pours the poison into the sleeper's ears. He poisons him in the garden for his estate. His name's Gonzago. The story is extant and written choice Italian. You shall see anon how the murderer gets the love of Gonzago's wife. The king rises. That frighted with false fire. How fares my lord? Give all the play. Give me some light. Away. Light, light, light. 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 Exunt all but Hamlet and Horatio. Why let the stricken dear go weep the heart on Gallid play, for some must watch while some must sleep, so runs the world away. Would not this, sir, and a forest of feathers, if the rest of my fortunes turn Turk with me, with two provincial roses on my razored shoes, get me a fellowship in a cry of players, sir? Half a share. A whole one, I. For thou dost know, O Damon dear, this realm dismantled was of Jove himself, and now reigns here a very, very padjock. You might have rhymed. O oh, good Horatio, I'll take the ghost's word for a thousand pound. Didst perceive? Very well, my lord. Upon the talk of the poisoning? I did very well note him. No! Oh, Come, some music, come, the recorders! For if the king like not the comedy, why then belike he likes it not, Purdy? Come, some music! Re-enter Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Good, my lord, vouchsafe me a word with you. Uh, sir, a whole history. The king, sir. Aye, sir, what of him? Is, in his retirement, marvellous distempered. With drink, sir? No, my lord, rather with cola. Your wisdom should show itself more richer to signify this to his doctor, for for me to put him to his purgation would perhaps plunge him into far more choler. Good, my lord, put your discourse into some frame, and start not so wildly from my affair. I am tame, sir. Pronounce. The queen, your mother, in most great affliction of spirit, hath sent me to you. You are welcome. Nay, good my lord, this courtesy is not of the right breed. If it shall please you to make me a wholesome answer, I will do your mother's commandment. If not, your pardon and my return shall be the end of my business. Sir, I cannot. What, my lord? Make you a wholesome answer, my wits diseased. But, sir, such answer as I can make, you shall commend. Or rather, as you say, my mother. Therefore no more, but to the matter, my mother, you say. Then thus she says. Your behaviour hath struck her into amazement and admiration. A wonderful son that can so astonish a mother! But is there no sequel at the heels of this mother's admiration? Impart. She desires to speak with you in her closet, ere you go to bed. We shall obey, were she ten times our mother. Have you any further trade with us? My lord, you once did love me. 
so I do still, by these pickers and stealers. Good, my lord, what is the cause of your distemper? You do surely bar the door upon your own liberty, if you deny your griefs to your friend. Sir, I lack advancement. How can that be, when you have the voice of the king himself, for your succession in Denmark? Aye, but, sir, while the grass grows, the proverb is something musty. Re-enter players with recorders. Oh, the recorders! Here, let me see one. To withdraw with you, why do you go about to recover the wind of me as you would drive me into a toil? Oh, my lord, if my duty be too bold, my love is too unmannerly. I do not well understand that. Uh, will you play upon this pipe? My lord, I cannot. I pray you. Believe me, I cannot. I do beseech you. I know no touch of it, my lord. "'Tis as easy as lying. Govern these vintages with your fingers and thumb, give it breath with your mouth, and it will discourse the most eloquent music. Look you, these are the stops. But these cannot I command to any utterance of harmony. I have not the skill. Why, look you now, how unworthy a thing you make of me. You would play upon me, you would seem to know my stops, you would pluck out the heart of my mystery, you would sound me from my lowest note to the top of my compass, and there is much music, excellent voice, in this little organ, yet cannot you make it speak. Splud, do you think I am easier to be played on than a pipe? Call me what instrument you will, though you can fret me, you cannot play upon me. Enter Polonius. God bless you, sir. My lord, the queen would speak with you, and presently. Do you see yonder cloud that's almost in the shape of a camel? By the mass, and tis like a camel indeed. Methinks it is like a weasel. Uh, it is backed like a weasel. Or like a whale? Uh, very like a whale. Then I will come to my mother by and by. They fool me to the top of my bent. I will come by and by. I will say so. By and by is easily said. Exit Polonius. Leave me, friends. Exeunt all but Hamlet. Tis now the very witching time of night, when churchyards yawn and hell itself breathes out contagion to this world. Now could I drink hot blood and do such bitter business as the day would quake to look on soft to my mother no oh, heart lose not thy nature let not ever the soul of nero enter this firm bosom let me be cruel not unnatural i will speak daggers to her but use none my tongue and soul and this be hypocrites how in my words soever she be shent to give them seals never my soul consent exit scene three a room in the castle enter king claudius rosencrantz and guildenstern i like him not nor stands it safe with us to let his madness range therefore prepare you i your commission will forthwith dispatch and he to england shall along with you the terms of our estate may not endure hazards so dangerous as doth hourly grow out of his lunacies. We will ourselves provide. Most holy and religious fear it is to keep those many, many bodies safe that live and feed upon your majesty. 
The single and peculiar life is bound with all the strength and armor of the mind to keep itself from noyance. But much more that spirit upon whose wheel depend and rest the lives of many. The cease of majesty dies not alone, but, like a gulf, doth draw what's near with it. It is a massy wheel fixed on the summit of the highest mount, to whose huge spokes ten thousand lesser things are mortised and adjoined, which, when it falls, each small annexment, petty consequence, attends the boisterous ruin. Never alone did the king sigh, but with a general groan. Arm you, I pray you, to the speedy voyage, for we will fetters put upon this fear, which now goes too free-footed. We will haste us. Exunt Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Enter Polonius. My lord, he's going to his mother's closet. Behind the arras I'll convey myself to hear the process. I'll warrant she'll tax him home. And, as you said, and wisely was it said, tis meet that some more audience than a mother, since nature makes them partial, should o'erhear the speech of vantage. Fare you well, my liege. I'll call upon you ere you go to bed, and tell you what I know. Thanks, dear my lord. Exit Polonius. Oh, my offence is rank. It smells to heaven. It hath the primal eldest curse upon it, a brother's murder. Pray can I not. Though inclination be as sharp as will, my stronger guilt defeats my strong intent. And like a man to double business bound, I stand in pause where I shall first begin, and both neglect. What if this cursed hand were thicker than itself with brother's blood? Is there not rain enough in the sweet heavens to wash it white as snow? Where too serves mercy but to confront the visage of offence? And what's in prayer but this twofold force to be forestalled ere we come to fall, or pardoned being down? Then I'll look up. My fault is past. But, oh, what form of prayer can serve my turn? Forgive me my foul murder. That cannot be, since I am still possessed of those effects for which I did the murder, my crown, mine own ambition, and my queen. May one be pardoned and retain the offence? In the corrupted currents of this world, offence's gilded hand may shove by justice, and oft tis seen the wicked prize itself buys out the law. But tis not so above. There is no shuffling. There the action lies in his true nature, and we ourselves compelled, even to the teeth and forehead of our faults, to give in evidence. What then? What rests? Try what repentance can. What can it not? Yet what can it when one cannot repent? O wretched state! O bosom black as death! O limed soul that struggling to be free art more engaged! Help, angels! Make us a bow stubborn knees and heart with strings of steel be soft as sinews of the newborn babe. All may be well. Retires and kneels. Enter Hamlet. Now might I do it, Pat. Now he is praying, and now I'll do't. And so he goes to heaven, and so am I revenged? That would be scanned. The villain kills my father, and for that I, his sole son, do this same villain send to heaven? 
Oh, this is hire and salary, not revenge. He took my father grossly, full of bread, with all his crimes broad-blown as flush as may. And now his audit stands, who knows, save heaven? But in our circumstance and course of thought, tis heavy with him. And am I then revenged to take him in the purging of his soul when he is fit and seasoned for his passage? No. Up sword. Know thou a more horrid hent when he is drunk asleep, or in his rage, or in the incestuous pleasure of his bed at gaming, swearing, or about some act that has no relish of salvation, and then trip him that his heels may kick at heaven, and that his soul may be as damned and black as hell whereto it goes. My mother stays. This physic but prolongs thy sickly days. Exit Hamlet. Rising. My words fly up. My thoughts remain below. <sighs> words without thoughts never to heaven go. Exit. Scene four. The Queen's Closet. Enter Queen Gertrude and Polonius. He will come straight. Look you lay home to him, tell him his pranks have been too broad to bear with, and that your grace has screened and stood between much heat and him. I'll silence me even here. Pray you be round with him. Within. Mother! 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 I'll warrant you, fear me not. Withdraw, I hear him coming. Polonius hides behind the arras. Enter Hamlet. Now, mother, what's the matter? Hamlet, thou hast thy father much offended. Mother, you have my father much offended. Come, come, you answer with an idle tongue. Go, go, you question with a wicked tongue. Why, how now, Hamlet? What's the matter now? Have you forgot me? No, by the rude, not so. You are the queen, your husband's brother's wife, and would it were not so, you are my mother. Nay, then I'll set those to you that can speak. Come, come, and sit you down. You shall not budge. You go not till I set you up a glass where you may see the inmost part of you. What wilt thou do? Thou wilt not murder me. Help! Help! Ho! Behind. What? Ho! Help! 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 Drawing. How now? A rat, dead for a ducat, dead! Makes a pass through the arras behind. Oh, I am slain. Falls and dies. Oh, me! What hast thou done? Nay, I know not. Is it the king? Oh, what a rash and bloody deed is this! A bloody deed! Almost as bad, good mother, as kill a king and marry with his brother. As kill a king? Aye, lady, twas my word. Lifts up the arras and discovers Polonius. Thou wretched, rash, intruding fool! Farewell. I took thee for thy better. Take thy fortune. Thou find'st to be too busy is some danger. 
leave wringing of your hands peace sit you down and let me wring your heart for so i shall if it be made of penetrable stuff if damned custom have not brassed it so that it is proof and bulwark against sense what have i done that thou darest wag thy tongue in noise so rude against me such an act that blurs the grace and blush of modesty calls virtue hypocrite takes the rose from the fair forehead of an innocent love and sets a blister there makes marriage vows as false as dither's oaths oh such a deed as from the body of contraction plucks the very soul and sweet religion makes a rhapsody of words heaven's face doth glow Yea, this solidity and compound mass, with tristal visage, as against the doom, is thought sick at the act. Ah, me, what act, that roars so loud and thunders in the index? Look here, upon this picture, and on this, the counterfeit presentment of two brothers. See what a grace was seated on this brow, Hyperion's curls, the front of Jove himself, and I, like Mars, to threaten and command, a station like the herald Mercury, new-lighted on a heaven-kissing hill, a combination and a form, indeed, where every god did seem to set his seal, to give the world assurance of a man. This was your husband. Look you now, what follows, here is your husband, like a mildewed ear, blasting his wholesome brother. Have you eyes? Could you on this fair mountain leave to feed and batten on this moor? <laughs> Have you eyes? You cannot call it love, for at your age the heyday in the blood is tame. It's humble, and waits upon the judgment. And what judgment would step from this to this? Sense, sure you have, else... Could you not have motion? But sure, that sense is apoplexed. For madness would not err, nor sense to ecstasy was ne'er so thralled, but it reserved some quantity of choice to serve in such a difference. What devil was that this, that cozened you at Hoodman blind? Eyes without feeling, feeling without sight, ears without hands or eyes, smelling sands all, or, or but a sick part of one true sense could not so mope. Oh, shame, where is thy blush? Rebellious hell, if thou canst mutine in a matron's bones to flaming youth, let virtue be as wax, and melt in her own fire. Proclaim no shame when the compulsive ardor gives the charge, since frost itself as actively doth burn, and reason panders will. Oh, Hamlet, speak no more. Thou turnst mine eyes into my very soul, and there I see such black and grained spots as will not leave their taint. Nay, but to live in the rank sweat of an inseamed bed, stewed in corruption, honeying and making love over the nasty sty. Oh, speak to me no more. These words like daggers enter in mine ears. No more, sweet Hamlet. A murderer and a villain, a slave that is not twentieth part the tithe of your precedent lord, a vice of kings, a cut-purse of the empire and the rule that from a shelf the precious diadem stole and put it in his pocket. No more. A king of shreds and patches. Enter ghost. Save me. 
and hover o'er me with your wings your heavenly guards what would your graces figure alas he's mad do not come your tardy son to chide that lapsed in time and passion let's go by the important acting of your dread commando say do not forget this visitation is but to whet thy almost blunted purpose but look amazement on thy mother sits o oh, step between her and her fighting soul conceit in weakest bodies strongest works speak to her hamlet how is't with you lady alas how is't with you that you do bend your eye on vacancy, and with the incorporal air do hold discourse. For that your eyes, your spirits, wildly peep, and, as the sleeping soldiers in the alarm, your bedded hairs, like life in excrements, start up and stand on end. O gentle sun, upon the heat and flame of thy distemper sprinkle cool patience. Whereon do you look? On him, on him! Look you, how pale he glares! His form and cause conjoined, preaching to stones would make them capable. Do not look upon me! <laughs> Lest with piteous action you convert my stern effects, then what I have to do will want true color, tears perchance for blood. To whom do you speak this? Do you see nothing there? Nothing at all, yet all that is I see. Nor did you nothing here? No, nothing but ourselves. Oh, oh, look you there! How it steals away my father in his habit as he lived! Look where he goes, even now, out at the portal! Exit Ghost. This is the very coinage of your brain. This bodiless creation ecstasy is very cunning in. Ecstasy? My pulse, as yours, doth temperately keep time, and makes us healthful music. It is not madness that I have uttered. Bring me to the test, and I the matter will reword. Which madness would gamble from? Mother, for love of grace, lay not that mattering unction to your soul, that not your trespass, but my madness speaks. It will but skin and film the ulcerous place, while rank corruption, mining all within, infects unseen. Confess yourself to heaven. Repent what's past, avoid what is to come, and do not spread the compost on the weeds to make them rancor. Forgive me this my virtue, for in the fatness of these pursy times virtue itself of vice must pardon beg. Yea, curb and woo, for leave to do him good. O oh, Hamlet, thou hast cleft my heart in twain. O oh, throw away the worser part of it, and live the purer with the other half. Good night, but go not to my uncle's bed. Assume a virtue, if you have it not. That monster custom who all sense doth eat of habits devil is angel yet in this that to the use of actions fair and good he likewise gives a frock or, or livery that is aptly put on refrain to-night and that shall lend a kind of easiness to the next abstinence the next more easy for use almost can change the stamp of nature and either curb the devil or throw him out with wondrous potency. Once more, good night. And when you are desirous to be blessed, I bless.
blessing beg of you for this same lord pointing to polonius i do repent but heaven hath pleased it so to punish me with this and this with me that i must be their scourge and minister i will bestow him and will answer well the death i gave him so again good night i must be cruel only to be kind thus bad begins and worse remains behind one word more good lady what shall i do not this by no means that i bid you do let the bloat king tempt you again to bed pince wanton on your cheek call you his mouse and let him for a pair of reachy kisses or paddling in your neck with his damned fingers make you to ravel all this matter out that i essentially am not in madness but mad in craft twere good you let him know for who that's but a queen fair sober wise would from a paddock from a bat a jib such dear concerning's hide who would do so no in despite of sense and secrecy unpeg the basket on the house's top let the birds fly and like the famous ape to try conclusions in the basket creep and break your own neck down be thou assured if words be made of breath and breath of life i have no life to breathe what thou hast said to me i must to england you know that alack i had forgot tis so concluded on there's letters sealed and my two schoolfellows whom i trust as i will adders fanged they bear the mandate they must sweep my way and marshal me to knavery let it work for tis the sport to have the engineer hoist with his own petard and shall go hard but i will delve one yard below their minds and blow them at the moon oh tis most sweet when in one line two crafts directly meet this man shall set me packing i'll lug the guts into the neighbor room mother good night indeed this counsellor is now most still most secret and most grave who was in life a foolish prating knave come sir to draw toward an end with you good night mother exeunt severally hamlet dragging in polonius end of act three the tragedy of hamlet prince of denmark by william shakespeare act four this is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Tragedy of Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, by William Shakespeare. Act Four, Scene One A Room in the Castle. 
Enter King Claudius, Queen Gertrude, Rosencrantz, and Guildenstern. There's matter in these sighs, these profound heaves. You must translate. Tis fit we understand them. Where is your son? Bestow this place on us a little while. Exeunt, Rosencrantz, and Guildenstern. Ah, oh, my good lord, what have I seen to-night? What, Gertrude? How does Hamlet? Mad. As the sea and wind, when both contend which is the mightier. In his lawless fit, behind the arras, hearing something stir, whips out his rapier, cries, A rat! A rat! And in this brainish apprehension, kills the unseen good old man. Oh, heavy deed! It had been so with us had we been there. His liberty is full of threats to all, to you yourself, to us, to every one. Alas, how shall this bloody deed be answered? It will be laid to us whose providence should have kept short, restrained and out of haunt, this mad young man. But so much was our love, we would not understand what was most fit. But like the owner of a foul disease, to keep it from divulging, let it feed even on the pith of life. Where's he gone? To draw apart the body he hath killed, or whom his very madness, like some ore among a mineral of metal's base, shows itself pure. He weeps for what is done. O oh, Gertrude, come away. The sun no sooner shall the mountains touch, but we will ship him hence. And this vile deed we must, with all our majesty and skill, both countenance and excuse. Oh, Guildenstern. Re-enter Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Friends both, go join you with some further aid. Hamlet in madness hath Polonius slain, and from his mother's closet hath he dragged him. Go seek him out. Speak fair, and bring the body into the chapel. I pray you, haste in this. Exeunt Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Come, Gertrude, we'll call up our wisest friends, and let them know both what we mean to do, and what's untimely done. Oh, come away, my soul is full of discord and dismay. Exeunt. Scene two. Another room in the castle. Enter Hamlet. Safely stowed. Within. Hamlet! Lord, Lord Hamlet. Hamlet! What noise? Who calls on Hamlet? Oh, here they come. Enter Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. What have you done, my lord, with the dead body? Compounded it with dust. Where to tis kin? Tell us where tis, that we may take it thence, and bear it to the chapel. Do not believe it. Believe what? That I can keep your counsel, and not mine own. Besides, to be demanded of a sponge. What replication should be made by the son of a king? Take you me for a sponge, my lord. Aye, sir, that soaks up the king's countenance, his rewards, his authorities. But such officers do the king best service in the end. He keeps them like an ape, in the corner of his jaw first mouthed, to be last swallowed. When he needs what you have gleaned, it is but squeezing you, and sponge you shall be dry again. I understand you not, my lord. I am glad of it. A knavish speech sleeps in a foolish ear. My lord, you must tell us where the body is, and go with us to the king. The body is with the king, but the king is not with the body. The king is a thing— A thing, my lord. 
of nothing. Bring me to him. Hide, fox, and all after. Exeunt. Scene three. Another room in the castle. Enter King Claudius, attended. I have sent to seek him and to find the body. How dangerous it is that this man goes loose, yet must we not put the strong law on him. He is loved of the distracted multitude, who like not in their judgment but their eyes. And where tis so, the offender's scourge is weighed, but never the offence. To bear all smooth and even, this sudden sending him away must seem deliberate pause. Diseases desperate grown by desperate appliance are relieved, or not at all. Enter Rosencrantz. How now? What hath befallen? Where the dead body is bestowed, my lord, we cannot get from him. But where is he? Without, my lord. Guarded, to know your pleasure. Bring him before us. Ho, Guildenstern, bring in my lord. Enter Hamlet and Guildenstern. Now, Hamlet, where's Polonius? At supper. At supper? Where? Not where he eats, but where he is eaten. A certain convocation of politic worms are e'en at him. Your worm is your only emperor for diet. We fat all creatures else to fat us, and we fat ourselves for maggots. Your fat king and your lean beggar is but variable service, two dishes, but to one table. That's the end. Alas, alas! A man may fish with the worm that hath et of a king, and cat of the fish that hath fed of that worm. What dost thou mean by this? Nothing, but to show you how a king may go a progress through the guts of a beggar. Where is Polonius? In heaven. Send hither to see. If your messenger find him not there, seek him in the other place yourself. But indeed, if you find him not within this month, you shall nose him as you go up the stairs into the lobby. Go seek him there. To some attendants. He will stay till ye come. Exeunt attendants. Hamlet, this deed, for thine especial safety, which we do tender, as we dearly grieve for that which thou hast done, must send thee hence, with fiery quickness. Therefore prepare thyself. The bark is ready, and the wind at help. The associates tend, and everything is bent for England. For England. I, Hamlet. Good. So is't, if thou knewst our purposes. I see a cherub that sees them. But come, for England! Farewell, dear mother. Thy loving father, Hamlet. My mother. Father and mother is man and wife, man and wife is one flesh, and so my mother. Come, for England. Exit Hamlet. Follow him at foot. Tempt him with speed aboard. Delay it not. I'll have him hence to-night. Away, for everything is sealed and done that else leans on the affair. Pray you, make haste. Exeunt, Rosencrantz, and Guildenstern. And England, if my love thou holdst at aught, as my great power thereof may give thee sense, since yet thy cicatrice looks raw and red after the Danish sword, and thy free awe pays homage to us, thou mayst not coldly set our sovereign process which imports at full, by letters congruing to that effect, the present death of Hamlet. Do it, England. For like the hectic in my blood he rages, and thou must cure me, till I know tis done, however my haps, my joys were ne'er begun. 
Exit. Scene 4. A plain in Denmark. Enter Fortinbras, a captain, and soldiers marching. Go, captain. From me greet the Danish king. Tell him that, by his license, Fortinbras craves the conveyance of a promised march over his kingdom. You know the rendezvous. If that his majesty would aught with us, we shall express our duty in his eye, and let him know so. I will do it, my lord. Go softly on. Exeunt Fortinbras and soldiers. Enter Hamlet, Rosencrantz, Guildenstern, and others. Good sir, whose powers are these? They are of Norway, sir. How purposed, sir, I pray you? Against some part of Poland. Who commands them, sir? The nephews to old Norway, Fortinbras. Goes it against the main of Poland, sir, or for some frontier? Truly to speak, and with no addition, we go to gain a little patch of ground that hath in it no profit but the name. To pay five ducats, five, I would not farm it, nor will it yield to Norway or the Pole a ranker rate should it be sold in fee. Why, then the Polack never will defend it. Yes, it is already garrisoned. Two thousand souls and twenty thousand ducats will not debate the question of this straw. This is the imposthume of much wealth and peace that inward breaks, and shows no cause without why the man dies. I humbly thank you, sir. God be with you, sir. Exit, Captain. Wilt please you go, my lord? I'll be with you straight. Go a little before. Exeunt all except Hamlet. How all occasions do inform against me and spur my dull revenge. What is a man if his chief good and market of his time be but to sleep and feed? A beast, no more? Sure, he that made us with such large discourse looking before and after gave us not that capability and godlike reason to the fust in us unused. Now whether it be bestial oblivion or some craven scruple of thinking too precisely on the event, a thought which, quartered, hath but one part wisdom and ever three part coward, I do not know why yet I live to say this thing's to do. Sith I have cause, and will, and strength, and means to do't. Examples gross as earth exhort me. Witness this army of such mass and charge, led by a delicate and tender prince, whose spirit with divine ambition puffed makes mouths at the invisible event, exposing what is mortal and unsure to all that fortune death and danger dare, even for an eggshell. Rightly to be great is not to stir without great argument, but greatly to find quarrel in a straw when honour's at the stake. How stand I then that have a father killed, a mother stained, Excitements of my reason and my blood, and let all sleep, while to my shame I see the imminent death of twenty thousand men, 
that for a fantasy and trick of fame go to their graves like beds. Fight for a plot whereon the numbers cannot try the cause, which is not tomb enough incontinent to hide the slain. Oh, from this time forth my thoughts be bloody, or be nothing worth. Exit. Scene 5. Elsinore. A room in the castle. Enter Queen Gertrude, Horatio, and a gentleman. I will not speak with her. She is importunate, indeed distract. Her mood will needs be pitied. What would she have? She speaks much of her father, says she hears there's tricks of the world, and hems and beats her heart, spurns enviously at straws, speaks things in doubt that carry but half sense. Her speech is nothing, yet the unshaped use of it doth move the hearers to collection. They aim at it, and botch the words up fit to their own thoughts, which, as her winks and nods and gestures yield them, indeed would make one think there might be thought, though nothing sure yet much unhappily. T'were good she was spoken with, for she may strew dangerous conjectures in ill-breeding minds. Let her come in. Exit Horatio. To my sick soul, as sin's true nature is, each toy seems prologue to some great amiss. So full of artless jealousy is guilt, it spills itself in fearing to be spilt. Re-enter Horatio with Ophelia. Where is the beauteous majesty of Denmark? How now, Ophelia? Sings. How should I your true love know from another one? By his cockle hat and staff and his sandal shoon. Alas, sweet lady, what imports this song? Say you? Nay, pray you mark. Sings. He is dead and gone, lady. He is dead and gone. At his head a grass-green turf. At his heels a stone. Nay, but Ophelia. Pray you, mark. Sings. White his shroud as the mountain snow. Enter King Claudius. Alas, look here, my lord. Sings. Lauded with sweet flowers, which bewept to the grave did go, with true love showers. How do you, pretty lady? Well, Godildu, they say the owl was a baker's daughter. Lord, we know what we are, but not what we may be. God be at your table. Conceit upon her father. Pray you, let's have no words of this. But when they ask you what it means, say you this. Sings. Tomorrow is St. Valentine's Day, all in the morning betime, and I a maid at your window to be your valentine. Then up he rose and donned his clothes, and up 
the chamber door let in the maid that out a maid never departed more pretty ophelia indeed allow without an oath i'll make an end on't sings by jason by saint charity alack and fie for shame young men will do it if they come to it by cock they are to blame quoth she before you tumbled me you promised me to wed so would i had done by yonder sun and thou hadst not come to my bed how long hath she been thus i hope all will be well we must be patient but i cannot choose but weep to think they should lay him in the cold ground my brother shall know of it and so i thank you for your good counsel come my coach good night ladies Good night, sweet ladies. Good night. Good night. Exit Ophelia. Follow her close. Give her good watch, I pray you. Exit Horatio. Oh, this is the poison of deep grief. It springs all from her father's death. Oh, Gertrude, Gertrude, when sorrows come, they come not single spies, but in battalions. First your father slain, next your son gone and he most violent author of his own just remove. The people muddied, thick and unwholesome in their thoughts and whispers for good Polonius's death, and we have done but greenly in Hagamugger to inter him, poor Ophelia divided from herself and her fair judgment, without the which we are pictures or mere beasts. Last and as much containing as all these, her brother is in secret come from France, feeds on his wonder keeps himself in clouds, and wants not buzzers to infect his ear with pestilent speeches of his father's death, where in necessity of matter beggared will nothing stick our person to a rein in ear and ear. Oh, my dear Gertrude, this, like to a murdering piece, in many places gives me superfluous death. A noise within. Alack, what noise is this? Where are my switzers? Let them guard the door. Enter another gentleman. What is the matter? Save yourself, my lord. The ocean overpeering of his list eats not the flats with more impetuous haste than young Laertes in a riotous head o'erbears your officers. The rabble call him lord, and as the world were now but to begin, antiquity forgot, custom not known, the ratifiers and props of every word they cry, choose we laertes shall be king caps hands and tongues applaud it to the clouds laertes shall be king laertes king how cheerfully on the false trail they cry oh this is counter you false danish dogs the doors are broke noise within enter laertes armed danes following where is the king sirs Stand you all without. No, no let, let us come, come in. in. I pray you, give me leave. We will, we will, we will. We will. They retire without the door. I thank you. Keep the door. Oh, thou vile king, give me my father. Calmly, good Laertes. That drop of blood that's calm proclaims me bastard cries cuckold to my father, brands the harlot even here between the chaste, unsmirched brow of my true mother. 
What is the cause, Laertes, that thy rebellion looks so giant-like? Let him go, Gertrude, do not fear our person. There's such divinity doth hedge a king, that treason can but peep to what it would, acts little of his will. Tell me, Laertes, why thou art thus incensed? Let him go, Gertrude. Speak, man. Where is my father? Dead. But not by him. Let him demand his fill. How came he dead? I'll not be juggled with. To hell allegiance, vows to the blackest devil, conscience and grace to the profoundest pit. I dare damnation. To this point I stand, that both the worlds I give to negligence, let come what comes. Only I'll be revenged most thoroughly for my father. Who shall stay you? My will, not all the world. And for my means I'll husband them so well they shall go far with little. Good Laertes, if you desire to know the certainty of your dear father's death, is it writ in your revenge that swoopstake you will draw both friend and foe, winner and loser? None but his enemies. Will you know them, then? To his good friends, thus wide I'll ope my arms, and like the kind life-rendering pelican, repast them with my blood. Why, now you speak like a good child and a true gentleman, that I am guiltless of your father's death, and am most sensible in grief for it. It shall as level to your judgment pierce as day does to your eye. Within. Let, Let her, her come in. in. How now? What noise is that? Re-enter Ophelia. Oh, heat. Dry up my brains. Tears, seven times salt, burn out the sense and virtue of mine eye. By heaven, thy madness shall be paid by weight, till our scale turn the beam. Oh, rose of May, dear maid, kind sister, sweet Ophelia, O oh, heavens! Is't possible a young maid's wits should be as moral as an old man's life? Nature is fine in love, and where tis fine, it sends some precious instance of itself after the thing it loves. Sings. They bore him barefaced on the bier. Hey, non, nonny, nonny, hey, nonny. And in his grave reigned many a tear. Fare you well, my dove. Hadst thou thy wits, and didst persuade revenge, it could not move thus. Sings. You must sing a downer down, and you call him a downer. Oh, how the wheel becomes it! It is the false steward that stole his master's daughter. This nothing's more than matter. There's rosemary. That's for remembrance. Pray, love, remember. And there's pansies. That's for thoughts. A document in madness. Thoughts and remembrance fit it. There's fennel for you, and columbines. There's rue for you, and here's some for me. 
we may call it Herb Grace's Sundays. Oh, you must wear your rue with a difference. There's a daisy. I would give you some violets, but they withered all when my father died. They say he made a good end. Sings. For bunny sweet robin is all my joy. Thought and affliction, passion, hell itself. She turns to favor and to prettiness. Sings. And will he not come again? And will he not come again? No, no, he is dead. Go to thy deathbed. He never will come again. His beard was as white as snow. All flaxen was his pole. He is gone, he is gone, and we cast away moan. God have mercy on his soul. And of all Christian souls, I pray God. God be with ye. Exit Ophelia. Do you see this, O God? Laertes, I must commune with your grief, or you deny me right. Go but apart, make choice of whom your wisest friends you will, and they shall hear and judge twixt you and me. If by direct or by collateral hand they find us touched, we will our kingdom give, our crown, our life, and all that we can ours to you in satisfaction. But if not, be you content to lend your patience to us, and we shall jointly labor with your soul to give it due content. Let this be so. His means of death, his obscure funeral, no trophy, sword, nor hatchment o'er his bones, no noble rite, nor formal ostentation. Cry to be heard, as were from heaven to earth, that I must cult in question. So you shall, and where the offence is, let the great axe fall. I pray you, go with me. Exit. Scene 6. Another room in the castle. Enter Horatio and a servant. What are they that would speak with me? Sailors, sir. They say they have letters for you. Let them come in. Exit, servant. I do not know from what part of the world I should be greeted, if not from Lord Hamlet. Enter sailors. God bless you, sir. Let him bless thee, too. He shall, sir, and please him. There's a letter for you, sir. It comes from the ambassador that was bound for England, if your name be Horatio, as I am to let know it is. Reads. Horatio, when thou shalt have overlooked this, give these fellows some means to the king. They have letters for him. Ere we were two days old at sea, a pirate of very warlike appointment gave us chase. Finding ourselves too slow of sail, we put on a compelled valour, and in the grapple I boarded them. On the instant they got clear of our ship, so I alone became their prisoner. They have dealt with me like thieves of mercy, but they knew what they did. I am to do a good turn for them. Let the king have the letters I have sent, and repair thou to me with as much speed as thou wouldst fly death. 
I have words to speak in thine ear will make thee dumb. Yet they are much too light for the bore of the matter. These good fellows will bring thee where I am. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern hold their course for England. Of them I have much to tell thee. Farewell. He that thou knowest thine, Hamlet. Come, I will make you way for these your letters, and do it the speedier, that you may direct me to him from whom you brought them. Excellent. Scene 7. Another room in the castle. Enter King Claudius and Laertes. Now must your conscience my acquaintance seal, and you must put me in your heart for friend, sith you have heard, and with a knowing ear, that he which hath your noble father slain pursued my life. It well appears. But tell me why you proceeded not against these feats, so crimeful and so capital in nature, as by your safety, wisdom, all things else, you mainly were stirred up. Oh, for two special reasons, which may to you perhaps seem much unsinewed, but yet to me they are strong. The queen, his mother, lives almost by his looks, and for myself, my virtue or my plague, be it either which, she's so conjunctive to my life and soul, that as the star moves not but in his sphere, I could not but buy her. The other motive, why to a public count I might not go, is the great love the general gender bear him, who, dipping all his faults in their affection, would, like the spring that turneth wood to stone, convert his jives to graces, so that my arrows, too slightly timbered for so loud a wind, would have reverted to my bow again, and not where I had aimed them. And so have I a noble father lost, a sister driven into desperate terms, whose worth, if praises may go back again, stood challenger on mount of all the age for her perfections. But my revenge will come. Break not your sleeps for that. You must not think that we are made of stuff so flat and dull that we can let our beard be shook with danger and think it pastime. You shortly shall hear more. I loved your father, and we love ourself, and that, I hope, will teach you to imagine— Enter a messenger. How now? What news? Letters, my lord, from Hamlet. This to your majesty, this to the queen. From Hamlet? Who brought them? Sailors, my lord, they say. I saw them not. They were given me by Claudio. He received them, of him that brought them. Laertes, you shall hear them. Leave us. Exit messenger. Reads. High and mighty, you shall know I am set naked on your kingdom. Tomorrow shall I beg leave to see your kingly eyes, when I shall, first asking your pardon thereunto, recount the occasion of my sudden and more strange return. Hamlet. What should this mean? Are all the rest come back? Or is it some abuse and no such thing? Know you the hand? But tis Hamlet's character, and, uh, naked, and in a postscript here he says, alone. Can you advise me? I'm lost in it, my lord. But let him come. It warms the very sickness in my heart, that I shall live and tell him to his teeth, Thus didst thou. If it be so, Laertes, as how should it be so, how otherwise, will you be ruled by me? Ay, my lord, so you will not, or rule me to a peace. To thine own peace. 
if he be now returned, as checking at his voyage, and that he means no more to undertake it, I will work him to an exploit, now ripen my device, under the which he shall not choose but fall, and for his death no wind of blame shall breathe, but even his mother shall uncharge the practice and call it accident. My lord, I will be ruled, the rather if you could devise it so that I might be the organ. It falls right. You have been talked of since your travel much, and that in Hamlet's hearing, for a quality wherein they say you shine. Your sum of parts did not together pluck such envy from him as did that one, and that in my regard of the unworthiest siege. What part is that, my lord? A very ribbon in the cap of youth, yet needful, too, for youth no less becomes the light and careless livery that it wears than settled age his sables and his weeds importing health and graveness. Two months since, here was a gentleman of Normandy. I've seen myself and served against the French, and they can well on horseback. But this gallant had witchcraft in it. He grew unto his seat, and to such wondrous doing brought his horse as he had been encorpsed and demi-natured with the brave beast, so far he topped my thought, that I in forgery of shapes and tricks come short of what he did. A Norman, wast? A Norman. Upon my life, Lamond. The very same. I know him well. He is the brooch, indeed, and gem of all the nation. He made confession of you, and gave you such a masterly report for art and exercise in your defence, and for your rapier most especially, that he cried out, "'Twould be a sight indeed if one could match you. The scrimmers of their nation, he swore, had neither motion, guard, nor eye, if you opposed them. Sir, this report of his did Hamlet so envenom with his envy, that he could nothing do but wish and beg your sudden coming o'er to play with him. Now, out of this—' "'What out of this, my lord?' "'Laertes, was your father dear to you, or are you like the painting of a sorrow, a, a face without a heart?' "'Why, ask you this?' Not that I think you did not love your father, but that I know love is begun by time, and that I see in passages of proof time qualifies the spark and fire of it. There lives within the very flame of love a kind of wick or snuff that will abate it, and nothing is at a like goodness still, for goodness, growing to a pleurisy, dies in his own too much. That we would do, we should do when we would, for this wood changes." and hath abatements and delays as many as there are tongues, our hands, our accidents, and then this should is like a spendthrift sigh that hurts by easing. But to the quick of the ulcer, Hamlet comes back. What would you undertake to show yourself your father's son indeed more than in words? To cut his throat in the church. No place indeed should murder sanctuarize. Revenge should have no bounds. But, good Laertes, will you do this? Keep close within your chamber. Hamlet returned shall know you are come home. We'll put on those that shall praise your excellence, and set a double varnish on the fame the Frenchman gave you, bring you in fine together, and wager on your heads. He, being remiss, most generous, and free from all contriving, will not peruse the foils, so that with ease, or with a little shuffling, you may choose a sword unbated, and in a pass of practice requite him for your father." I will do it, and for that purpose I'll anoint my sword. I bought an unction of a mountebank, so mortal that but dip a knife in it, where it draws blood, 
No cataplasm so rare, Collected from all simples That have virtue under the moon, Can save the thing from death That is but scratched withal. I'll touch my point with this contagion, That if I gall him slightly, It may be death. Let's further think of this, Weigh what convenience both of time and means May fit us to our shape. If this should fail, and that our drift look through our bad performance, twere better not hassayed. Therefore this project should have a back or second that might hold, if this should blast in proof. Soft, let me see. We'll make a solemn wager on your cunnings. I have. When in your motion you are hot and dry, as make your bouts more violent to that end, and that he calls for drink, I'll have prepared him a chalice for the nonce, wherein but sipping, if he by chance escape your venomed stuck, our purpose may hold there. Enter Queen Gertrude. How now, sweet queen? One woe doth tread upon another's heel, so fast they follow. Your sister's drowned, Laertes. Drowned? Oh, where? There is a willow grows aslant a brook, that shows his hoar leaves in the glassy stream. There with fantastic garlands did she come, Of crow-flowers, nettles, daisies, and long purples, That liberal shepherds give a grosser name. But our cold maids do dead men's fingers call them. There on the pendant boughs her coronet weeds clambering to hang, An envious sliver broke, When down her weedy trophies and herself fell in the weeping brook, her clothes spread wide, and mermaid-like a while they bore her up, which time she chanted snatches of old tunes, as one incapable of her own distress, or like a creature, native and endued unto that element. But long it could not be, till that her garments, heavy with their drink, pulled the poor wretch from her melodious lay to muddy death. Alas, then she is drowned? Drowned, drowned. Too much of water hast thou, poor Ophelia, And therefore I forbid my tears. But yet it is our trick. Nature her custom holds. Let shame say what it will, when these are gone. The woman will be out. <laughs> Adieu, my lord. I have a speech of fire that fain would blaze, But that this folly doubts it. Exit Laertes. Let's follow, Gertrude. How much I had to do to calm his rage. Now fear I this will give it start again. Therefore let's follow. Excellent. End of Act 4 What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.